This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey, and editor-at-large at Mississippi Today. Our guest today grew up right here in Jackson, Mississippi, and is now a very successful engineer with Amazon and a business owner. So let's welcome to the show Dr. Nashley Cephas. Dr. Cephas, uh, welcome to the show. I'm very thrilled that you're on. I got to hear you at the TED Talk when you were here in Jackson and thought it was fantastic. And so when Michelle said that you were going to be on with us today, I was like, oh, man, awesome. Because, I mean, number one, we have a Georgia Tech, Georgia thing going on in our house. So I, you being a Georgia Tech grad, you know, <laughs> rambling wreck, uh, just wanted to, wanted to throw that out there for you. My wife went to Georgia. My brother-in-law went to Georgia Tech. So anyway, um, okay. go, go Georgia Tech. I just like making my wife mad. But um, I, I'm thrilled you're on today. And, and congratulations no. for being named the top 40 um, under – was top under 40 I can't even get that right. Yeah. Just, this is starting off rough. It's a Monday, but um, thank you for being on today. We've got a lot of exciting things to talk about, but obviously your whole life and career is a good place to start. Thank you so much for having me. I'm obviously a fan um, all, all my life growing up, you know, different things that you know, you've definitely been on the scene in Jackson. Uh, and thank you, Michelle, as well. Um, this is an honor. Uh, it's first time on MPB, and I'm excited about it. Thank you so much for all the, the kind words. Oh, you're very, very welcome. Um, and they're going to continue because we got a lot of good things to talk about. <laughs> so you are a native of Jackson. You did go to Murrah, as Michelle was talking about earlier, your graduate of APAC. When did you discover that you really had kind of a, a, an ability or a sense toward programming and toward computers? So, I, and I tell this story often, but, um, you know, I, I grew up uh, in a house full of women. Uh, my mother, my grandmother, my sister um, had a lot of aunts and, and cousins. And, uh, you know, we we were just always doing everything. So we had to fix the lawnmower, mow the yard, get on top of the house. Somebody mentioned Christmas trees, and we, we hung the Christmas lights on top of the roof. And, you know, whatever it took, uh, we, we were, you know, very efficient. And uh, we were those domestic engineers, as I like to call it, um, even going up to the, the matriarch of my grandmother. And so I just kind of learned early on how, you know, fascinated with the way things work. Uh, and, of course, I went to Power APEC. I was a music major, um, played the piano. Uh, there's so many uh, connections and similarities between music, playing a musical instrument, and um, computer programming and technology. A lot of it is logical thinking. Uh, a lot of it is theory, and then a little bit of it is talent. And I think uh, it goes hand in hand. Uh, the same thing with sports. Um, I played tennis growing up as well, it's coordination. Um, and so I remember my eighth grade year, my science teacher, Ms. Portia Powell, she pulled me to the side. She said, hey, you really should consider going into this engineering camp. And so I, I'd been to summer camps before uh, with Jackson State, um, in science and, and math and technology, um, but I really didn't have a good grasp of what engineering really was. And so, and my mom was one of those that, you know, she kept us in summer programs. There was never a summer we were just at home playing video games. She's like, you either got to work or you got to go to this camp or something. You know, you can't just be sitting up here in the house. And so um, I remember going to that camp. Uh, it was actually at Mississippi State. Um, it was a women in engineering camp by the Society of Women Engineers. 
And I just remember my whole life changed. I thought that was the coolest thing. Um, I, I was just fascinated about all the different types of engineering, but specifically computer engineering. So it really grasped my interest um, in that it's, it's actually a combination of both the electrical hardware engineering side and the software um, computer programming side. And, of course, you know, me being, I guess you could say, the control freak that I am, uh, being able to control things with software, I, I, again, I thought that was just the coolest thing. So. Well, it sounds like, too, you had that magic uh, component in there where you had, you know, grown-ups in the house that supported you and backed you along the way, too. Because, I mean, if you think about it, mm-hmm. I mean, it was generally women in, in the field of science and it's like the, in math and so forth, I mean, it, it's started to become more more and more popular now but at the time you were going through that it was kind of unusual for you to be pushed in that direction wasn't it yeah it was uh you know in fact a lot of people just in general uh in my community were not you know involved in technology they were not um you know engineers you know there was a lot of uh business you know small business owners um you know i knew uh people like doctors lawyers people in the service industry uh but it wasn't it wasn't a lot of engineers and so i i kind of had to my way in the dark uh, once I found out, oh, there's actually a name to this this passion that I have, and there's a career path to it. Um, and so I had some really good mentors and support, like you said, to help, you know, put me in, on that right direction. You you ended up in, in APAC, and we'll talk about that a little bit. How did that end up changing your, your life? Oh, man. Miss, uh, shout out to, uh, I, I don't know if, if she's still here, or, or Miss Sandra Polanski, um, she was the toughest piano teacher ever. I mean, she she really, you know, made you you really learn and uh, was a disciplinarian. Um, but she she was so passionate about what she did, and she saw something in the students. You know, I think she saw something in me. Um, I always say music and playing the piano kept me out of a lot of trouble. Um, you know, spending time memorizing uh, Bach pieces and and Chopin and uh, playing those pieces, entering in competitions, um, getting scholarships for other summer camps. Um, that was my life kind of growing up. I was one of those music kids. We were in a big music family. And so, uh, you know, that t- took up a lot of my time. It taught me how to, you know, manage my time and taught me self-discipline. Um, no one's sitting there making me learn the songs. You know, I have to learn them so I can get a, you know, a good grade and progress. And I think that was a, a lot that contributed to uh, my work ethic. You're so busy today. Do you still play? So I do have a, a, a piano. I actually bought a cherry wood piano for my, my 30th birthday. I'm 35 now, but so I have a, a this baby grand piano in my house, and I do play every now and then just, just for myself. Um, it's funny, though, because I, I, uh, I actually had a band in, in grad school uh, on top of all the other things I was doing, of course, but we, we recorded – um, a musical score uh, for, I think it was called the Colored Museum. Um, it, was a, it was a play, and it was for Georgia Tech. And so I had put together a little band, and so we actually got paid for that, uh, recording that musical score, and I think that was the last time I got paid to play. <laughs> but uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I definitely played piano throughout, um, you know, middle school, high school, um, played for several churches, um, including my churches back at home in uh, Jackson. Shout out to Shady Grove. Uh, Missionary Baptist Church and uh, played for Rose Creek in Terry, Mississippi. And even in Atlanta, I played for a couple of churches early on uh, when I started grad school. So uh, I had a good, you know, well-rounded view of music from jazz band to concert band to 
uh, you know, just playing for uh, vocalists. So I, I really love that. That's definitely still a part of me. You're quickly becoming one of our coolest guests ever. You do realize that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank hey, you. I appreciate it. <laughs> oh, no problem. No problem. You We had mentioned the Georgia Tech connection, but you actually started off your college um, career here in Mississippi. Talk, talk a little bit about that and how um, your your degree from Mississippi State helped you. Oh, yeah. So, Hill State, uh, for all the Bulldogs out there, um, I'm I'm actually uh, – so I went to Mississippi State for computer engineering for undergrad. It's ironic because that was the same school I went to for that, that engineering summer camp. Um, and so it, it really made an impression on me. Um, and so when I went there, you know, it was – you know, it was tough. It definitely was was not easy. Um, I, I I tell people I got into computer engineering kind of naively. Um, I was still going off how much fun we had in the summer camp, and I didn't really realize how how rigorous you know the program would be, and also feeling like uh, you know I was coming from a place where you know I remember my first programming class um, as a freshman at Mississippi State. I felt like everybody knew how to code uh, except for me. And I was like really behind, and I was like, "Did y'all, you know, meet up over the summer?" I was wondering, like, what was it about me, you know, having graduated at the top of my, I was top three in my class, and um, still was was so far behind. But you know, I had a lot of great mentors. Um, Dr. Donna Reese, um, at the time, she was kind of took me under her wing at Mississippi State. She was the chair of the computer science department, um, and she really, really worked with me and and helped me along the way. Uh, with funding and, and opportunities and everything from studying abroad. Um, I really lived it up at Mississippi State. Um, I enjoyed my time there. I had, met some great friends, um, part of uh, the sorority, Delta Sigma Theta. Um, shout out to all the Deltas out there. And, um, you know, I, I did several things. Like I said, I studied abroad in Seoul, South Korea. Um, I did a, a engineering program in France. Um, and, you know, people wouldn't, wouldn't guess, you know, a little old person from Mississippi State, you know, Mississippi, you know, and I love just telling people where I'm from to help, you know, broad, broaden their, their mindsets about people from Mississippi. So, yeah, it really enjoyed my time at State. I was spent four years there. I even co-opted, um, interned as well, several companies. Um, Miller Transporters was one of my first companies that I, I worked at during my um, intern slash co-op. Um, it was over there off Highway 80 and um, going towards Clinton. And uh, I really, again, just got so much nurturing. It helped to build my, my self-confidence and my self-esteem, and that really helped me, you know, pursue other things. So that's that's where it all started, Mississippi State. Sounds like you put in about eight years of education in four years. I can't – that's, that's – I'm exhausted just hearing I all did. the things you did. I, I crammed it all in there, and, uh, and to think that I thought I was still behind, but I only graduated – uh, one semester behind, so four and a half years, I'll still able to get it done. That's incredible. That's incredible. We're talking with Dr. Nashley Cephas right now. And, uh, Nashley, you, you graduated and then you went on to go get your doctorate. Why did you decide to go to Georgia Tech and talk about that experience? So, ironically, I, I went – I wanted to – go to Georgia Tech uh, for undergrad. You know, everybody who, you know, from Mississippi, they always want to leave, you know, when they graduate, they want to get out and go somewhere else. So that was kind of me, I, I'll admit. Um, and I remember applying for Georgia Tech. I got in, uh, but I didn't get any of uh, the financial uh, aid that I needed. And so, you know, Mississippi State and Jackson State were knocking, and they said, hey, you know, we'll, we'll 
you know, give you the funding. Um, you know, we'll get you get you a full ride. At the time, Jackson State wasn't an accredited program. It is now. Uh, but Mississippi State was, so I ended up going to Mississippi State. But I always had that, you know, desire to, to you know, at least go and experience Georgia Tech. It was um, the top, one of the top engineering schools in the, in, in the, the country. Um, and definitely was like number one out of those top schools for graduating uh, black and brown engineers. And so it was something special about it's very rigorous programs. It's the only top school in the Southeast. And, um, and we could talk a little bit about that, about my belief in building up the Southeast and, and showing people that we have something to say here. And so that's, that's why I went, I said, well, let me give it another shot. I went to Georgia tech, um, moved to Atlanta back in 2008 and, um, pretty much been here on and off, uh, ever since. So for a couple of years, but, uh, yeah, Georgia tech was, you know, one of the top schools and I got accepted. And again, I, I, I've had financial funding, um, and financial aid and scholarships, et cetera, from undergrad all the way through PhD. I actually never paid for school um, out of my own pocket. Um, now, I had several jobs on the side to help, uh, you know, pay for my living expenses and things like that, but um, I have no student debt, and, and I'm proud to say that, you know, for people listening, you think it can't be done, it can definitely be done. So, yeah. Sounds like you know about the word of hustle. And also, too, being in Atlanta, I'm sure you're stuck on 285 right now in traffic, right? Normally pre-COVID, yes, yes, this interview right. would, would have been had in my truck driving to work. So yeah, <laughs> definitely on that. I grew up in Marietta, so I know exactly what what you go through with mm-hmm. that. You, you mentioned Georgia Tech, though. I mean, and I tried to mention it earlier, but I bungled it. But the Georgia Tech Alumni Association named you as one of their 40 distinguished honorees. That's pretty darn awesome, especially 35 years old, uh, to have that kind of an honor from your college. Yeah, um, I I am honored. I think it's a, a definitely a privilege. Um, this is the very first time that they've done this, so I'm in the inaugural class. Um, and so I, I feel, again, honored and, and just blessed. Um, there are so many people in there. When I was, They actually put us in a, uh, the alumni magazine that came out last week, and I was just flipping through and, like, reading some of the stories about the other uh, 39 inductees, and I was just like, wow, this, this is an amazing group of people, and um, I'm proud to be, uh, uh, you know, in the, the network. Um, and one thing I often tell people about my experience at Georgia Tech, yeah, it was tough. Um, you know, we I experienced a lot um, just going through and trying to finish, but but I made it. As they say, I made it out. And um, But the network that I, I, I have created since I've been there, I mean, I can't trade that for anything in the world. And so, um, everything from you know people that need I need help with uh, entrepreneurship, people with um, help to help funding, even a lot of connections from Atlanta tying back into the Jackson Tech District project. Um, that that network from Georgia Tech is just amazing. How did you get associated with Amazon? Because I know you were you were a CTO of a company that was acquired by Amazon. But tell us a little bit that, about that story. Yeah, so uh, I was uh, I developed uh, one of the first prototypes for this startup company um, is called PartPick, um, P-A-R-T-P-I-C. And so I was uh, back in, in, in grad school at Georgia Tech, I was creating this um, this algorithm that would allow you to take a picture of a part and identify the part. So not only say this is a hex bolt, but this is a hex bolt, it's two inches long, it's a half an inch base diameter, it's threads per inch 15, and it's stainless steel number one. And so our, our algorithm computer, we call them the computer vision algorithms or AI, artificial intelligence algorithms. Uh, we created those and we actually have a patent for it now. 
But um, I, I created that prototype, and then the young lady who was the CEO of the company, um, we, we just started this in 2013, um, she was able to take those prototypes and raise, I think it was $1.5 million. And so by that time, uh, she finished raising the money. I had took a, a full-time job in New York City. And, you know, me being a Southern girl, you know, I wasn't too fond of the, the 20 inches of snow and all of that, <laughs> um, the cold and having to walk everywhere. But um, beautiful city. I love to visit. But living there is a whole nother story, let me tell you. But um, so when she, I got the call, she said, hey, we, we raised the money. I want you to come back and be our, our CTO full-time. And I said, okay, cool. That's a no-brainer. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we and we talked about it some more. I put in my two weeks notice um, in New York, and I came back to Atlanta, and I became the CTO. And so, over the course of about a year and a half, almost two years, um, Amazon came knocking. Um, I was actually presenting at a conference in Boston. Uh, it was May of 2016, and when I came off those steps, uh, the guy from Amazon approached me. And he said, hey, we really, we're interested in what you're doing. You know, can we talk some more? So I gave him my card, and that led to us selling the company. Um, and we joined Amazon back in November of 2016, so almost four years now uh, I've been at Amazon uh, managing teams and managing engineers and doing other, you know, really cool computer vision and artificial intelligence um, projects. It's time for us to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Nashley Cephas. Hey, stay tuned. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hey, welcome back. This is MPB Think Radio. Now you're talking. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. And today we're sitting down, or standing up, as the case may be right now, with computer engineer, business owner, entrepreneur, and just all-around good soul, Dr. Nashley Cephas. And if you'd like to share a comment or be part of the show, you can give us a call. The phone lines are open at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Naturally, I I wanted to say something very early on in our conversation. You had mentioned Mm -hmm. that you were like a lot of kids where you wanted to just pick up and get out of Mississippi. And of course, you're in Atlanta now where a lot of people do end up, but you're doing a lot to give back to Mississippi now. And I think that's a big reason why I wanted to get you on the show today. Uh, let's talk about that new tech development project that you're you're, you're proposing down in uh, Jackson right now. Yeah, so um, that is a part of what I wanted to. So I will say that I wanted to get out because I knew that the opportunities were elsewhere, unfortunately, um, at the time. And so in order for me to do and achieve my career, um, that at the time that was what I had to do. Um, and so that's why that's how I looked at it. But I'd always wanted to come back 
and, you know, be able to build something so that other people can have the opportunity and wouldn't have to leave uh, the state in order to do, you know, these similar types of career paths in technology. And so uh, a big part of that was, one, um, starting the Path nonprofit uh, two years yeah. ago um, where I did, uh, you know, we do basically free tech help, free tech office hours um, at the local libraries um, in Jackson. We were going around to different libraries, different neighborhoods. Um, and then, you know, we, we did some youth workshops. Uh, we've helped over 300 people who have come to those tech office hours and counting. Um, of course, it's all virtual now, but um, I wanted to, I found out, you know, we were doing so much and we had so much success. And I said, well, how can we scale this, you know, um, so we can provide access to many other people um, and get that exposure out and maybe even have our own space? And so that's how the Jackson Tech District came about. Um, I, I wanted to do something for the, the city and, and give back to, you know, my community, but also kind of guide it and, and lead it because I, you know, I was wanted to make sure that all the expertise and experience I gathered being a tech professional, working at Amazon four years, having gone through a startup, sold a, a been a successful startup uh, acquisition, and leading teams and getting a PhD. Um, so all these things are usually anomalies um, that I've been able to, you know, kind of achieve all of them, and have so much wealth and knowledge that I want to just pour back into others. And so when I was driving, I was it was actually December of 2018. Uh, I was at home. All my family's mostly still in Jackson, uh, by the way. So I come back often. I split my time between Atlanta and Jackson now. Uh, so we, I was driving around, and, and I passed by the old barn uh, building. They call it the Bean Barn uh, on North Allison Street. And so it's kind of adjacent to the bus station and the train station uh, downtown, maybe a couple blocks away from the King Edward, uh, the old King Edward Hotel, the Hilton Garden Inn. And so I was like, you know, remembering that building growing up, um, we passed by there all the time. I just thought that was a fascinating structure. You know, this this barn, this huge 17,000 square foot barn with a red tin top, tin building. And um, I said, you know what? I was actually riding around with some others uh, that previous day. Um, actually, Tony Cooley, shout out to Tony Cooley and Bill Cooley. And um, they really inspired me to, you know, to go for it and say, well, if you like it, why don't you, why don't you buy it? And again, I had never thought about doing this. Um, you know, that's just not something that I grew up in that environment of people, you know, acquiring property and owning land. I mean, I know that uh, the financial, you know, advisors all say that real estate is the way to go in terms of wealth and establishing uh, generational wealth. Um, but I but I hadn't hadn't really sunk sunk in yet. I do have a couple of rental properties, but uh, you know, owning something this big commercially, uh, this is my first time taking on this endeavor. And so we looked more into it. I, I got a broker, and then we um, found out that the same owner owned the entire both sides of the street of North Gallatin Street, um, from a Mid Street all the way down to Shreveport Street. And so I said, you know, light bulb just went out and said, hey, let's let's get it all. I want it all. I want all 12 acres, uh, seven buildings, uh, which, again, majority of my life have been abandoned and, uh, you know, not a lot of activity going on. And so I wanted to take that entire community and change it. Um, and so this is the area between uh, kind of like the Jackson State Parkway, West Jackson, as well as the Central Business District. And for those who don't know, North Gallatin Street is the second most traveled street in the downtown area um, next to State Street. 
I think we have about 11,000 people going up and down that street every day. Um, and, and they're passing by old dilapidated buildings, abandoned um, areas. And I really wanted to change that and expand the mission of the Bean Pass and exposing people to technology. You talk about um, providing workforce development, training youth um, in advance emerging technologies, not just coding, not just building websites, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I also want to expose people to artificial intelligence and cybersecurity and Bitcoin technologies and things like that. And so I feel like if it's going to be somebody, it might as well be me. So, yeah. And you made history as one of the largest, it was one of the largest real estate acquisitions by a black woman in his, in, in Jackson. I thought that was pretty cool too. That's that's what I've, I've heard. And I was like, wow, you know, I, again, like whenever I, I set out to do these things, um, even with Park Pick, the startup, I just I just wanted to help a friend uh, with her company. And I had no idea we would sell a company to Amazon. And so, uh, you know, this is this is great news. And I'm happy to, you know, continue to inspire others. But again, I just I just do it because I feel like it needs to be done. And I just want to I just want to help. And uh, but that's that's great that you know, these things are happening and history is being made. But again, like that's not something I, I set out to do. It sounds like you could really teach a lot of people how to overcome hurdles too. Well, we have a caller. We have Gus from Jackson on the line. Hello, Gus. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And first of all, i like to um, commend the doctor and tell you I am so excited about the things that you are doing in Jackson and exposing uh, Mississippi uh to other people. I think it's such a wonderful thing. But um, my question is, as a parent having um, a son, or for parents parents in general, science and math and engineering uh, go hand in hand. So if parents, what would you say would be the best way to help their children develop good math skills in the lower grades, like elementary? to build upon to be able to maybe one day expire to become um, an engineer because sometimes people are just so intimidated by math and science. If they're having problems in the lower grades, how can they get the confidence to be able to do higher math uh, in college and high school? That's a great question. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, now, I'm not an educator by any sense. There's some people on the front line, the teachers, you're all out there doing the hard work, the real work, and I commend you for that. Um, regards to your question, uh, different things motivate different people. And so in terms of math, you know, there's several different ways you can teach the concepts. And I think for me, uh, it was learning about music. Um, it was seeing how octaves play into, you know, the metric system and how decimals um, convert to you know, inches, and it was getting hands-on and, and trying to estimate, you know, how much electricity did you need to change the ceiling fan um, and not get electrocuted. And so it was real-life applications that helped me really grasp how important it was to learn about math and concepts. Um, I love to play pool and geometry and, and trigonometry. Like, when I'm playing pool, like I'm I'm thinking about math equations <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm playing. And so that was that was something that I like to do. And so even tying it into sports, um, you think about rhythms and, and playing football and, and the plays and um, the metrics and, and the statistics of what's the best play, this play or that play, or even money, making money. Um, I think if we continue to tie in 
these concepts into real life applications, it really encourages students to want to learn more, to want to develop their skills so that they can continue to do the things that they love to do. And so I know that's easier said than done, but for me, that's kind of what it was. And and I also like to tell people that, you know, in terms of a lot of these these, uh, courses, math courses and things are needed in order to, you know, do a successful program in engineering. But, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, biases in those uh, tools as well and in how they maybe weed out some students or, you know, keep you from advancing to the next level. But keep in mind that you can learn a lot of, uh, coding and engineering things, principles with free uh, resources online. Like you don't necessarily have to, you know, go get a four-year degree or a two-year degree at a community college. Um, there are kids right now in high school doing full-blown software development projects and getting paid. Um, and so you don't have to necessarily wait on that aspect. Now I'm I'm a full advocate of going to school and getting an advanced degree, but I always tell people make sure you have a plan. Um, you may be able to go to a boot camp or a coding uh, camp program, uh, you know, a year-long coding program, and be just as successful as someone who went to a four-year degree who's, you know, not doing anything of what they want to to do or set out to do, um, and they have a lot of student loans. And so it just depends, um, and it depends on the student, too. You got to figure out what motivates them and try to tie it in. I, I- my son Thank is you. in eighth grade and does yeah, that was a great, great answer. My son's in eighth grade and does robotics and it's amazing what they're learning because they're interested in it because they can see that application with the robots and what they're building and the coding and everything. But it sounds like your advice is this for parents, just help your kids see a purpose for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it sounds like also too, one thing that you could really teach kids is how to overcome obstacles. Cause I, I know that along the way you had people that probably tried to say, well, you, you can't do this or you can't do that. And it sounds like they were telling the wrong person that because you did it. Yeah, uh, I you know, that that's fuel to the fire, as they say. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, obviously, you know, coming from a background where I didn't necessarily have people who were doing what I was doing, I didn't really have a lot of role models. So I had to go seek that out. Um, you know, again, I, I would not be where I am without a good support system, without a good team, a solid team in place that has strengths where I have weaknesses. And everybody has weaknesses. Everybody has blind spots. Um as a matter of fact, what I do at Amazon um, is on the uh, artificial intelligence team, we work on ensuring fairness and mitigating any biases in the artificial intelligence technologies. And so in terms of face recognition, in terms of speech recognition, you know, recognizing a face, um, even for darker skin faces, even for women, uh, female faces. Um, also, you think about, you know, we're, we're in the South and, you know, a lot of us have Southern accents. Um, you know, I, sometimes I turn it up or down depending on my, where I am, but people can always hear it, you know, and I'm happy about that, but the devices that we use, you know, don't always recognize what we say. Um, and I, I give this example when I was working in, um, I was, I was doing an internship in Kokomo, Indiana, uh, right between undergrad and grad school. I was working for Delphi. They would, um, we were developing the Bluetooth radio for the, I think at the time it was a 2010, uh, Bluetooth Toyota, uh, Toyota Camry radio, they would always use my voice to test out the uh, the number <laughs> system, dialing the number, uh-huh. and it, it would never dial the number six, whatever it was about the way I was saying six. They didn't they didn't pick it up. The, the system never picked it up. And so 
Um, what we do is want to make sure that, you know, the technology that we make, artificial intelligence, is work, they're working for everyone, you know, and that they're, um, you know, understanding all types of people. And uh, one thing about artificial intelligence is that it, all it is is just understanding um, patterns in data, patterns in previous data. But if the previous data, if you've never collected previous data about special groups, for, about marginalized groups, about, you know, African-Americans, about people in the South, then you're not going to perform very well. The algorithm is not going to perform very well. And I compare this to, um, you know, getting trying to get a bank loan, even for the tech district. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter how much capital I had. There are several banks that just didn't want to work with me because uh, the patterns in the previous data, the artificial intelligence algorithm, say that I may not be a successful um, you know, person to receive a loan, unfortunately. And so a lot of the world is revolving around these things and we're wanting to, you know, understand how we can use technology to help us overcome obstacles, not to become an obstacle for us. And so in that same vein, um, you look at throughout my life, you know, I've overcome several obstacles. I, I don't fit in, right? I'm not probably what most people would say aligns with the patterns that have happened previously. If anything, I'm probably anything but that. And so I love to show people, you know, you can do it too. Other people who come from the same background um, and not necessarily in the Southeast. I've had people reach out from worldwide to say, hey, your story is just inspiring. I just want to, you know, it makes me want to get up and do something different, something special. Um, and I love to, you know, tap into that and just try to help people with, with what I'm doing. Let's talk a little bit more in detail about the development, about the tech hub and what you're putting into it, because it's more than just, I mean, there's a lot of different components to this you're going to put that's just going to redevelop that area. Yeah. So I'm, and I am still excited. So we uh, closed on September 11th. Um, it was very symbolic. Um, and, and ironically, this, this area is actually in the middle of two uh, city council wards. And I think, you know, if you think about it in terms of, what's happened in the past, um, things in terms of redlining and, and opportunities for that area, I'm happy to see this whole corridor, um, you know, reinvented. And so the first phase will include uh, housing lofts as well as a makerspace. Um, and so these are the two buildings on the corner of North Gallatin Street and a Mid Street. Uh, and then in later phases, we have restaurants. Um, the big barn building is actually going to be an event venue center. Um, we'll already start to have events out there. Um, everything from, you can imagine, weddings to marketplaces to tech fairs. Um, we can start with a lot of the programming that we're going to have in the makerspace. Even before we start construction in January, we can start some things already this fall. Um, you can think about, you know, we're going to be painting murals, beautifying the area. Uh, we've already worked on the landscaping a bit um, already over there. And so uh, we want to make sure we bring out like food trucks and, and just bring more people to the area and make them understand, hey, this is something big that's about to happen. And we want everyone in the community to be a part of it. Um, in later phases, we'll also have a family fun center. Um, we'll have um, an innovation station, which is used to be the old Jackson Paper Company building, um, a very unique building that actually crosses over Town Creek. Um, and so I think there's so much to come. And, you know, me, like you said, the hustler in me um, will always find events and programming to host uh, regardless of what stage we're in uh, for the for the development. But we have a, a lot of investors and 
um, entities, private entities, as well as tax credits and things going into the project. Um, it's a $25 million project, um, but you'd be surprised there's so much support for it. I think um, actually the, the more I get to the finish line, the more and more support I get. It was a little little scarce early on. Um, a lot of people weren't used to this type of development and didn't understand it, um, but we had a, a few that were you know, down for the cause since day one. And I really appreciate those folks, um, but we're getting more and more traction like a snowball um, as we go. And so um, definitely look out. Um, we can uh, please, we also want to invite everyone to our Bean Path is having our anniversary, our two-year anniversary event um, on October 17th. That's this Saturday at the Bean Barn. Um, you can check out more details on our website, thebeanpath.org. Uh, we'll be giving away 60 book bags to kids. Uh, we just uh, recently had a call this morning. McAllister is going to donate 200 box lunches uh, for us, and so we're excited about that. We'll be giving away Chromebooks. We had some other prizes donated, and so definitely come out. Um, let this serve as an example of what you can do with a barn <laughs> and, and some porta potties and so we're going to make it happen, and so I'm really excited. Oh, that is fantastic, and, and there's the virtual celebration. What will that include? So the virtual celebration will include some very special guests. Um, we call them uh, celebrities around the city, and I think you'll you'll definitely recognize some of them. We'll have uh, unveiling uh, a sneak peek of our new Bean Path app. Um, we'll also have some shout outs from various people in the community. Um, again, like this is a community effort. Um, the only way this is going to work is if we bring everyone to the table and everyone uh, comes together. And so that's what I'm mostly uh, excited about. We'll also be giving away some uh, Amazon gift cards. So definitely register for that um, virtually on the virtual program. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and um, and, and you don't want to miss it. You're making me feel very lazy. I was just wondering, do you ever sleep? <laughs> you know, I do have uh, my self-care uh, moments every day. You know, I get my, my exercise, and I watch my shows, and I get my walk in, and, and um, you know, I, I, okay. like I, said, your, I sometimes I play the piano. Your, yeah, what are your shows? I just am curious. So I watched, uh, I do several things. I have just about every streaming platform. You all were talking about Hamilton. That's on my bucket list to watch um, on Disney. But um, I have watched, uh, I've recently finished Sweet Magnolias on Netflix. Um, I also watching Lovecraft Country, a little bit on the edgier side. Um, I have another show, uh, I think uh, I've been watching Ghost uh, Power Series. And then, of course, I have several others. I like the Twilight Zone. Um, Star, I'm a Trekkie, so I've been watching all the old Star Treks. Uh, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I do, you know, in my spare time. Very, very cool. Well, go ahead. You have a website uh, to throw out for the Bean Path and, and so forth so people can find out for more about what's going to happen during the celebration. Oh, definitely. Check out thebeanpath.org. That's T-H-E-B-E-A-N-P-A-T-H.org. Or you can follow us on social media at The Bean Path on Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, etc. cetera. Uh, definitely, if you'd like to follow me about all the other projects that I'm doing is if I'm not doing enough, uh, you can check me out at, at phenomenationally. Um, that's see if I can spell this P H E N O M N A S H L I E. I think I spelled that right, but yeah. So, um, or you can just Google my name and it'll, it'll come up. So yeah, um, that's how you can get in touch with us. 
Excellent. Excellent. Well, I just want to say thank you. I mean, thank you for all that you're doing to give back to both Mississippi and to Jackson, but also, too, for inspiring the way that you have as well. It's been a great show. Thank you for being on. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Okay. Well, we've come to the end of another great show. I want to thank you for joining us and thank our guest, Dr. Nashley Cephas, for sharing her incredible story with us today. If you'd like to hear this show again or any past episodes, you can listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching Now You're Talking. This show is a production of MPB Think Radio and is produced by Michelle McAdoo. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit with Dr. Josie, with Josie Bidwell. And be sure to join us Monday at 10 a.m. for another great conversation here on MPB Think Radio.